0: Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 54. Can you believe it? It's been 18 weeks, three days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today I'm gonna dedicate to foolish fun and lightheartedness. Now you say, that sounds kind of weird. Last we heard, you were going off to therapy. And as I recall, my friend Ava used to always post to me on Facebook and on my website, Lori, I heard the stress in your voice, or Lori, your voice sounds much better. So I hope every one of you today, including Ava, can hear that I sound light as a feather and really in a happy relief mood, and that's a lot of it due to the fact that I went to my first therapy appointment yesterday. So part of today's show, I'm going to tell you about my fears around therapy, why it was tough for me to go, how I prepared to go, and just a little bit about how it went for me. I also want to, right now, before we listen to Josh, give a big thank you and shout-out to Debcat2, who took the time to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I know it's a pain to leave a review on iTunes, and I super, super appreciate that, Debcat2. She said that she is starting a habit to walk, with me every morning and she's enjoying walking together with me. And I really love that since that was one of my big purposes of doing this podcast was to be a companion to people as they walked or hiked since that's when I listened to my podcasts. Well, not just my own, but other people's podcasts. That's what gave me the idea. So I also want to introduce a brand new feature called Foolish Fun, more on that later. I also want to bring up a comment from Cheryl that she posted on last show because I thought it was really excellent to think about doing baby steps and getting over all-or-nothing thinking. And I also want to refer back to a very useful comment that Michelle made on day 43. So, Josh, it's time for us to think about letting go. Here's this snippet of I'm Letting Go by the wonderful Josh Woodward. But I'm letting go Letting go. It's a history that never. Josh I might have to listen to that twice today because you know what I need to let go is some of the root pain, some of the root causes that goes way 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 back in our way back machine to my youth and growing up years and where I learned my esteem, my habits, how to deal with people, some of those really, long-time wounds in my heart and soul need to be addressed because I can go through the motions over and over again of limiting what I eat and trying not to use food in that manner but until I actually deal and again this is for me until I actually deal with what was underneath all of that pain that I didn't want to feel, that the robot aliens were protecting me from, until I actually allow myself to feel and deal with that pain and help it to heal inside myself, I feel that I would not be able to permanently make a change in my life. And that's something that's very important to me. Not really about weight per se, though that would be a great bonus, but I want to be able to connect with people, relate with people, have a life where I don't fear food, where I love food, and that I'm living my life, not eking out the moments of my life, worrying about calories or how much I weigh or what do I look like. So now is probably a really nifty time to tell you that I am at my local park and it is hotter than heck down here and it's only like nine in the morning. But I live in the Los Angeles area and it is hot. I am sweating and I'm wearing a short sleeve tank top. In fact, if you look at the selfie for today, I'm sitting under a shady tree by the picnic table where I get my recorder ready to record. And I think this would be the very first time you would see me sleeveless. Yes, brave companions, I'm actually bearing my arms in my selfie today. So if you don't wanna miss that, go to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com day 54. So since I am walking around the park right now, you might be conscious of my breathing, the traffic, Birds in the trees, other people walking, kids, dogs barking in the dog park, who knows? But as I'm learning to let go of perfectionism, I'm learning to let go of weird sounds. The only thing I do try to stop for is when the helicopters go over because that noise is just too much. Okay, universe, are you trying to test me with your jokes? The minute I just recorded that about how I was letting any sound go by except for helicopters, a utility truck just came by the park, parked right next to where I'm recording, and the motor is still going while the driver ran off to take a a rest break here in the park. So I thought, well, should I just stop recording? No, I'm going to just go through. So if you hear that truck in the background, it's just a poor working guy doing his job who came to this park for a little bit. All right, where was I, brave (laughs) and Oh yes, therapy. In order to let go of my deepest issues, I know that I am not successful at doing that on my own. If I was successful at that, I would have done it by now, right? 50 years of deep, painful issues. I've had plenty of opportunity, and even other times in therapy, to try to work on this, and I have worked on some. But the very fact that I've been spending these 18 weeks and three days talking to you all on such a regular basis, has really dug through a lot of the surface crap, a lot of the regular kind of bored, irritation, I feel blue, just kind of the surface things that can also trigger my eating. And we were starting to get down to the, oh my goodness, this is really painful And I don't wanna even think about this stuff. If I even think about it, I'm gonna start crying and never stop kind of stuff. That's why I said to you yesterday and have been thinking for a few episodes now, I need to go find a good therapy to help me deal with these emotions because I did not want to call back the robot aliens to come and protect me from feeling these feelings, no matter how painful they may be. And now, Brave Companions, I'm walking right by the dog park, so you might hear some dogs. There's also a group of youngsters having a wonderful time playing, so you might hear that in the background as I walk around past the back park. But I don't want to stop talking right now, so we'll just live with that as background noise to my thoughts and feelings. So, where was I? Oh, yes. Not wanting to think about stuff that would make me cry and keep me crying forever. That's what it felt like to me anyway. So my first step was find a new therapist. And because Mark and I are retired, I knew that I needed to find out how much it was gonna cost me to go to a therapist. And I needed to find out for my insurance, how much, if anything, was covered. And also research what type I should go to. Now I don't know about you but it's not very fun to be calling the insurance company for anything <laughs> and so that took me a couple of days to actually find out okay what's my process what do I need to do how much is covered so I did that then I as I shared with you I researched some therapists and types of therapy because you've got everything from psychiatrist, who you want to see if you're wondering if you need to have medications, to family counseling, to people that are specific to eating disorders, like that's who I believe Michelle is seeing, is a eating disorder therapist. And for me, I didn't really feel that I needed to have a specific eating disorder specialist because at this time I'm feeling pretty good about how I'm dealing with the eating and I'm feeling pretty good at being able to understand some of the issues that are underlying my, ish- my eating. But what I couldn't do was sort out all the tangled mess of my long time issues that contributed to the start of my using food to deal with life in this way. So I decided that probably a good route to take we're a therapist that were very skilled in family systems and understanding childhood development and how that is in the context of families and people that deal with addiction and that kind of thing. Because no matter what kind of counseling you think you might need or what you might want. I think it's really fair to, when you're making appointments with these new therapists, to say, I'm looking for a good fit, and kind of explain some of your goals of therapy and what you're wanting out of it, and to actually say to them, does this sound like something that your specialty could help me with? And then to also say to them, even though it's really scary, Brave Companions, I, I won't lie to you, say to them, you know, and I would really like to have an initial appointment, because. You know, I'm really looking for someone who will click with me that I could feel would be a good therapeutic partner. And in the past, I've had some therapists that I didn't feel that bond with. So every therapist that I said that to actually said, that makes perfect sense to me. And not one of them said, no, forget it. (laughs) Now one did say, I'd love to work with you, Lori, but my caseload is full right now, but I do have a colleague who I think you might be a good fit with, and that's who I actually went with for my first appointment. But even though I felt comfort that, okay, I've spoken with Mark, I understand how much this is going to cost us, we both agree it's worth it, so I didn't have this worry about I'm spending the family money on, you know, my bitching and moaning, which is something that's happened to me in the past, I felt like I was wasting money. in in many times I felt that way, whether that was true or not, or I was getting that from others or not. So I got that cleared, felt pretty confident with the type of where I was going, that was cleared, made my appointment, that was cleared, next thing to do was to actually go, and I was scared witless, scared, scared, scared. So, as I posted on my Facebook page and as I posted in a blog post today, my impulse was to go hiking. Yay, now Brave Companions, I find that as like a super cool victory, that my first impulse was, okay, body, let's go hiking, not, hey, robot aliens, come down and take this fear away from me. So with kind of a heavy heart, but a lighter than usual pack, since I didn't take any of my recording equipment with me, I didn't take really much of anything outside of water and some emergency pack of nuts, because I don't like to go hiking without a little extra energy food. I went up the mountain really slowly and thoughtfully and enjoyed looking at the view and... It was actually kind of hot that day, too. So I was, to be honest with you, gripey a little bit like, oh, why didn't I get up earlier? <laughs> this is too hot. But that soon gave way to my appreciation of just being out in nature and the openness of the space and the way that my thoughts kind of came and went. And I didn't even listen to a podcast this time. I just let myself kind of do like a walking meditation, just listening to my breathing and trying to let myself understand my fears and to think about what I most wanted to share with the therapist because you know a therapy hour isn't like forever. How am I going to condense all the history or what I needed to say to best communicate where I was coming from for the therapist? I've been through this before. I've been through this many times before and it was almost like a first date. I wanted to get it right. Now, I know in therapy, there's no such thing as wrong or right, and what you decide to bring up first has some therapeutic value for the therapist to understand what's on your mind, yada, 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 yada. I get all of that, but I, I wanted to be pretty clear in myself what my expectations were and what my goals were, because I thought that was the best way for me to cut through my own crap and to let the therapist know that I'm willing to do the work to cut right through my own surface crap and and get down to where I needed to be and why I needed to do this and what I was hoping for. Now, since this whole agenda of my true Hurtful crap is something I don't like to think about and I've spent 50 years covering up with food This isn't like I could just take out my notebook and say okay point number one this hurts point number two that hurts point number three this hurts No, I really couldn't do that. I had to think in broad categories so I did kind of make a little note to myself okay, this is a broad category that I want to address. This is probably its priority. This is a category I'd like to address. This is its priority. How can I best communicate this? And I'm going to be honest with you. One of my really big fears is that The therapist would hear about this podcast, Compulsive Overeating Diary, and say, Lori, are you out of your flipping mind? This is totally inappropriate. I want you to cease and desist this moment. Stop spilling your guts for everybody and their dog, and what's more, you might be causing harm to people. That was my big fear and part of that is that i'm thoughtful that you companions are all in different places on your journey and how you feel with eating and i've always been really really scared that you are going to take me as an expert or do what i do when you're not ready to do it i i know i say over and over and over and over i am not a therapist i'm not a dietitian i'm not an eating disorders expert I'm not anybody but a lady who suffered from this or dealt with this for 50 years in the middle of a journey trying to do better with my own health. And I believe that most of you know that, but it has been a secret fear that any therapist who actually became aware of compulsive overeating diary would think that this was bad and I was bad and I was irresponsible. So one of the very first things I did when I met with my therapist was to come clean Do you know what a podcast is? Uh, This is my show. This is what I'm doing. I am comfortable with you listening to it. All of these things, and we discussed it at some length. And, you know, I'm not going to make her liable for anything I say because I'm not going to share anything in specifics that she says to me that what she didn't tell me is that she thinks that this is awful and horrible and I'm irresponsible and who did I think I was? Did I think I was uppity? All of this Brave Companions was my fear. This is what I tell myself. Who are you, Lori, to be telling people your life? What makes you think that anybody in the world gives a crap about your life? Yada, 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 yada. I mean really critical stuff. I tell myself these things, or used to more so, now because so many of you brave companions have communicated with me through email or by posting or on facebook or however you've been doing it that you don't take me super seriously but you don't you don't berate me you don't say things like how dare you you say things like i'm glad that you're sharing this because i feel it too so you make me feel a bit more understood And it makes me understand myself and be much less critical of myself that I've had this wonderful experience with you guys, that I've been able to come out here on my walks through the park or Descanso or hiking and just kind of let my hair down about how I feel inside. And sometimes it's really super happy and sometimes not. And, you know, because I've been able to express to you a full rainbow of emotions, a full range of my emotions, fears, thoughts, hopes, things that I do, and I've felt pretty accepted by you guys, it's, it's helped me to accept myself. Isn't that weird? It's like <laughs> It's like I needed to have somebody outside of myself say to me for me to hear it. All of the positive self-talk I was trying to give myself wasn't hitting home. It wasn't sinking in. And I think that's when you guys were all saying, like, oh, man, you don't need all this external validation. We're external validation. And I would, you know, berate myself, oh, no, you need other people to tell you stuff to feel good. And that's bad. How immature are you, Lori, that you need external validation? You need comments, you need kudos, you need all of these things in order to feel like you're worthwhile. I've since learned that that all may be absolutely 100% true and accurate but it is what it is. It is how I felt. That is how I was. Sometimes I still feel that way. Not very much and not nearly to the extent that I did when I first started this show. I feel like I've moved somewhat past that. But what's really the good learning for me is that the fact that I felt that way does not make me bad or worthless. What you feel is just a feeling. There's not a big difference in a feeling floating by, whether it's hatred, rage, happiness, sadness, grief, boredom. Feelings are just fleeting bits of chemical that go through your brain or in your body and they go by. I think where you get stuck or where I get stuck is where I feel responsibility for the fact that I feel this. Now, if I did something with them that was inappropriate or harmful or bad, then I should take responsibility for those actions. And sometimes you might do something that inadvertently harms somebody or hurts their feelings or does something that crosses a boundary line with them. But if you didn't do it on purpose, you can just take ownership of that and say, I'm sorry I crossed that boundary. That wasn't right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of options there. There's a lot of things. But for me, a lot of my core issues made it so I don't feel comfortable relating to people. I'm never sure when I'm screwing up. Like, when have I crossed that line? When have I overstepped my bounds? Am I being inappropriately open? Am I being inappropriate, closed? Am I mad at you for doing something that was perfectly reasonable? I don't have a good sense of those social cues and that's one reason why I isolate myself because sometimes throughout my life I've taken baby steps and tried to either make a friend or keep a friend or have a dating relationship or some other type of relationship and I've taken responsibility that I messed it up. Now, it could very well be that they messed it up, (laughs) you know? Not everyone in the world is going to love me, like me, think I'm pretty, whatever that might be. But somehow in my formative years, I never got the training wheels to let me fall and just figure, oh, well, that's what it is. Same thing with my binging. I, I never had the mental fortitude to just say, oh... Well, I overate. Oh, well, that's what it is. So let's, you know, move on. Everything was all or nothing black and white for me. So one of my goals is with therapeutic help for me to learn to discern some of these social norms and boundaries so that I can feel more free to move out in the world and try to make friends and build relationships, keep friends, keep relationships, to feel safe in my own boundaries feel that I'm not overstepping or learn when my genuine caring is good because I'm never quite sure, like, am I your friend or am I somehow hurting you? I always have this underlying fear that that somehow my expectation of you is harming you. And that might sound kind of weird, and that's probably all the further that I'm going to go with telling you my actual issues, But this is why I need some objective, professional advice. Because I need help sorting it out. And just going there and telling some of my past and telling some of these issues and saying some of these things out loud for the very first time and feeling very heard in a a clinical way, in a way that would offer some help to me. It wasn't just like me venting to my buddy. Like I do have some friends at this point who I could go sit under these trees like you and just vent, vent, vent. I feel stupid. I feel critical. I feel whatever. And they'd be saying there, there, or yeah, or let's go have a drink or let's go have something to eat or let's go for a walk. I do have people that I could safely tell my feelings to. But those people don't necessarily have the skill to help me figure out what I need to figure out. And that's why I decided to go to therapy. So, Brave Companions, bottom line here, just because I went to therapy doesn't mean I think every single one of you should go to therapy. But what I do want to encourage you to do is if you're starting to feel overwhelmed, either with your eating issues, or if you're like me and you're feeling better about your eating issues, but the emotions that are coming up for you feel like too much to handle, I do recommend that you try to find a therapist of some kind. Okay, I think now might be a good time to introduce my new feature, Foolish Fun. And what I'm hoping for from this is Brave Companions is I'm hoping that you will call the Bravery Hotline... Now it's been so long since I told you to call the bravery hotline that I have forgotten the phone number in my head and I had to write it down. So the bravery hotline number is 206-350-6445. Again, 206-350-6445. Or I wish you would come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and look for the big blue button that says send voicemail because if you have any microphone attached to your computer, you can send me a voicemail that way. Or on your phone, if you have a voicemail app that lets you email, you can send me a voicemail file at laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. And if right now you are listening in the car saying, well, Lori, how do you expect me to do all this when I'm in the car? I'm not going to remember it. Just go to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com as part of the menu is how to send audio. And what I want you to send, I don't wanna know for this feature, Foolish Fun, anything about compulsive overeating. What I wanna know is do you have a good knock-knock joke? Have you written a poem that you like? Do you wanna sing something silly? Do you wanna play the flutophone? Do you wanna whistle Dixie? Anything that's just fun and foolish and lighthearted because I would like to get a little more life into the show. I know compulsive overeating is kind of a a deep topic, and a lot of times it's filled with angst and sadness and all kinds of things like this. But one thing I know for a fact is having fun is a good way to combat some of this angst and sadness and let you have a joyful life. So I'm going to start off by doing for you my own foolish fun, and the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to tell you a story about my cat, Gracie. Gracie is the mother of my other cat, Tiger. Tiger is the world's most cuddly, happy, lovely cat. He loves to be hugged and kissed. He expects everybody in the world to love him and pet him, and he is just super cuddly, fun cat. Gracie, his mother, was a feral cat, which means she was like a stray cat who had to live outside by her wits. So Gracie is a cat that came around our back door for a couple of years. And when we would put some food out for her because she was so skinny that she even had like rickets, she was in such bad shape, she would want the food or the milk, and she would hiss at us. She, we would open the door and, and put the food out there, and she would hiss at us and try to bite us and then eat this food. Now eventually, Tiger got hit by a car one day, and the family that he belonged to could not afford to get him medical attention, so they gave him to us. And when we took her baby Tiger, because Gracie brought Tiger to us after he got hit by the car and dropped him at our front door, At that point, Gracie moved into our house. But remember, she was still a feral cat. She was still skittish. And even though we had her baby also, it was probably at least a year before she let us touch her. And this is years later where she loves my husband and lets him touch her. She really wasn't too sure about me. So I spent a good long time just getting her to tolerate me petting her head and she never would let me pick her up until I came on this this idea of singing Gracie her milk a song. Gracie loves this because what I do is every morning she will rub against my leg and I say Gracie is it time for milk and she will rub against my other leg letting me know it's okay to pick her up and I hold her and I pet her and I sing her this song and I end the song by kissing her as you will hear in the recording. And that's how she knows that she can be still and let me love her because she knows for a fact when I'm gonna stop singing, I'm gonna put her down again and she'll get her milk. So that's how I let a cat who didn't know how to accept love accept love and how I get a chance to be a singer every single day. So for my first foolish fun, I'm going to let you guys hear Gracie's Milk Song. (laughs) Lori presents Foolish Fun. (laughs) The feature where messing up is just part of the act. Okay, Gracie. Miss Gracie, is it time for milk? Is it time for milk? It's Gracie's milk time. It's Gracie's milk time. It's time for milk. It's time for milk. It's Gracie's milk time. It's Gracie's milk time. It's time for milk. It's time for milk. Gracie loves her milk. Gracie loves her milk. Time for milk. It's Gracie's milk time. It's Gracie's milk time. It's time for milk. It's time for milk. It's great for your milky, Miss Gracie. Mm. Okay, let's get your milky, Gracie. Let's get your milk. Who's a good girl? Who's a good baby cat? There's your milky milk. <laughs> <laughs> and if you love to be yeah. foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your Here <laughs> we Brave companions, if I can be brave enough to let you hear the Milky Song, I hope that you're brave enough to have some foolish fun with me and that you will go to CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, find out how to send audio, and send me your own version of foolish fun so I can have this feature again. Now I wanted to read to you Cheryl's comment from Day 53. Now, if you recall, day 53 was where we just had Stephanie's second secret topic of the day. And it was kind of about, am I going to have to live this way thinking about my food or my compulsions for the rest of my life? Or, you know, is it ever going to get easier? And so Cheryl had this to say. Very honest show, Lori. Really felt like this one you were digging down deep. And Stephanie's topic fit right in there. In fact, the question Stephanie asked is one that gives me the most discouragement. That feeling of thinking, I have to be on guard every single time I'm anywhere around food for the rest of my life, makes me want to throw up my hands in the air and give up. What an important sub—what an important subject, Stephanie. But as, I, but as I listened to you talking about an abacus, Lori, I had an epiphany, kind of. About the whole way of life thing for, or should I say, way, W-E-I-G-H, way of life, laughing out loud. You made me think of relationships in general, and his Lordship and I learned about the checkbook technique of relationships a long time ago. That's where every time you do something affirmative for your spouse, partner, friend, whatever, it goes in their checkbook as a deposit. If you do something not so great, something negative, like hollering at them for no good reason, or just because you're on a diet again when you're hungry, that becomes a withdrawal. The trick in relationships is to keep that checkbook not just in balance, but with a surplus of positive stuff in there. Ideally, we want way more deposits than withdrawals. It dawned on me, maybe that's the way I should be looking at the whole learning to eat better. Every time I make a good choice, I make a deposit in my diet checkbook. Bad choice. Withdrawal. Then maybe if I know that my balance is always going to be in flux. Sometimes in the red, sometimes in the black, perhaps the whole long term, life-term aspect of it won't bother me so much. For one thing, it takes away the whole belief that I can get it right all of the time. Well, Cheryl, I think that's a really great idea, and it's right in line to what I was talking about with the uh, the abacus, where instead of feeling like we're totally screwed, like if you are in a calorie range and you eat, like, you know, 10 calories more than you were planning, that your whole day is ruined and might as well go eat the whole thing, if whatever we're trying to do in life, if we could just Do like Cheryl says and say, okay, I'm putting this chide on this ledger and this on this side of the ledger. You can always do something to now do something positive for yourself, right? Even if you ate 10 calories over, you can say, well, at least I counted it. Or you can say, even if you had a horrible, bad eating day, well at least I had a horrible, bad eating day and I thought to ask myself, how's it going? Whatever you do that helps you not see your eating as all or nothing, whatever means, thinking of abacuses, using a checkbook register, keeping a journal for yourself, of positives that you do every day, whatever it is to help you realize that you can live your life that it's never going to be perfect, it's never going to be horrible, that it's always somewhere in between, and it's never too late to do something right now to make your life better. I think that comment is really good, and I encourage you to go read the whole thing. I'll put the link on today, day 54, and I'm also going to put the link again to Michelle's comment that she wrote on day 43, where she outlined some steps she learned in her therapy with the, the eating disorders specialist about how you can try to do some binge extinction. So if you're having a trouble with binging, these are some actual steps you can take, and I'll put the link there on the website. So, Brave Companions, so far we've had a trip down to therapy, we've had some foolish fun, and we've heard about Cheryl's ideas to let us be more positive, I hope that you guys will call the bravery hotline and will be foolish with me. And I hope that besides having our deep troubles and with our struggles with our eating, that we can be true companions and whistle while we work. (laughs) In the meantime, till next time, you guys all take care because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master heading for disaster kicking up the dust in the middle of the road I've been waiting on a free ride ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound and there I'll sit and I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin and by the dawn Behold home. Yeah.